Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Happy Sunday night to everybody. Hope uh, you enjoyed your college basketball watching, if you were into that, even if your brackets are surely busted with all the various uh, upsets that have happened. Although, I guess if everybody's bracket busted, then some people's, even if you're the best of the worst, still not in a bad place to be so kudos there uh if, you, if you're still in the mix of your bracket i've been long out um but what i am long into is of course covering the commanders and talking a lot about ownership uh we do that today with matt paris from the washington times matt and i just talked a few minutes ago got into what are we where are we both at right now with the ownership situation uh what do we make of the constant noise about what's going on right now? A lot of people weighing in on that. And, of course, we also talked about the team one week into free agency. Are they better? What? Are, where are we at with the Jacoby Brissett, Sam Howell of it all? What moves are next? So we'll get to that. In addition, at the end of that conversation, uh, my guy Bobby Bancroft joined me to talk about the other search in town, and that is the Georgetown men's basketball team. We think it's going to be Ed Cooley from Providence, but we discussed – that even if it is, what does that mean? And a bunch more. So if you're into Georgetown at the end of this conversation with Matt, you can listen in on that as well. Uh, of course, you missed anything from last week or any time. If you missed any of the podcasts, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you do your podcasting, and then you won't miss any of it. So make sure you do that. Also, make sure you're subscribing to The Athletic. It's been a busy few days for me over there. I had a couple stories over the last few days that I'll mention. One was Matt and I did talk about it here, but essentially how if you look at the commander's quarterback situation and you do it in the totality of the entire league, that they have one of the more less desirable quarterback situations in this league because they have neither a top proven top 15 quarterback, nor do they have somebody as a, as a prospect who based on their draft status suggests that league-wide people thought that this was going to be or you know not, maybe not league-wide that's not accurate but somebody who doesn't project as a, a first-round pick based on where they were selected and with one start that's all we have the data we have on Sam Howe check that out because I think it's I think it was a good in, a good look at we can keep we talk about these quarterbacks all the time because they're here but everybody has other quarterbacks and they talk about their Sam Howe's the same way which is different than saying Sam Howe will, will not be good I think he's interesting for sure but Go read that article. Now, the other one, and I'll talk about this one in more depth right now, is the one that dropped today, Sunday morning. Uh, it's about the ownership situation, but it's looking at it in a, in a slightly different way. And that way is it's less right now about if Dan Snyder will sell and more about when that would happen. What, you know, we had talked a lot about how active would Washington be in free agency? How much money would they be willing to spend amid this ownership change? Talked a lot about escrow because of the funding rule and things like that. Did come to find out that the, the escrow and funding thing wasn't exactly what I, I, I was thinking. I mean, I think others in town had the same reaction. And that is to basically that the, the, the way that rule works, Dan Snyder was not going to have to put up any money up front that it was going to be um, the escrow accounts get looked at once a year and that time had already passed in this calendar year. Okay. 
But nonetheless, the money part is still interesting. And that's what my article was about, that how signing bonuses that the commanders are paying their new players in the contracts, there are dates written that lay out all this language, obviously. And the language for Deron Payne, but also Jacoby Brissett, also Andrew Wiley, according to people that have seen these documents, told The Athletic that the date is unusual. What do I mean by that? The standard practice in the NFL is paying these signing bonuses. And I think we're mostly talking about something of note, not necessarily like an undrafted free agent type guy, but even that probably that bigger signing bonuses within 15 to 30 days of when the contract is official, that money gets sent out. Now, not necessarily the full amount. Uh, it is pretty common practice to pay out in installments. The number of installments may differ depending on if you're say a cash rich team, like the Cowboys, just to use an example, or a cash poor team, like the Bengals are a little more bomb and popish, you know, that that's a difference. Other than that, everything is pretty standard. You make the first installment payment within 15 to 30 days, and then the rest of it, you know, gets done in, in a reasonable time. It could be a year or, or even more, but, you know, there's a process. And if you look at the, 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 the recent history of some of these uh, deals that the commanders have done for Terry McLaurin, for Jonathan Allen, even going back to 2016 for Trent Williams, they are within that time frame that I just mentioned. But this year is not. This year, these deals were done around like March 13th, right? These This year, the deals are going out two months long. So for Deron Payne and others, May 12th is the date. Now, why would they do that? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know necessarily before I started this project, like, was it truly 15 to 30? Was it was that a rule? It's not a rule, but it's pretty standard to the point that when I pointed this out to people, they were all like, and I'm talking about, you know, people from around the league who who deal with contracts all the time. They were very much confused by this as well. So when I presented the idea that, hey, Dan Snyder, we think is going to be selling the commanders here, could be pretty soon. Is it possible that pushing back the money to this May 12th date, does that could that mean something in relation to the sale of this team and when it might happen? Now, again, the people couldn't say for sure but to the degree that they were all surprised to see this see that day get pushed out that far is why several of them said that yes it certainly looks like a situation it could be inferred absolutely that this is about dan snyder delaying payments essentially to so he's not the one that has to deal with it now i'm not going to say that it's necessarily a nefarious thing by in that regard i'm just saying that it's a it's odd that a year ago with terry mclaurin who signed a pretty big deal and got a signing bonus and all that stuff that his payment was within the 30-day window it was 28 days less than a year later deron Payne is 
his first payment is two months out. And the one thing that's different really between the two times is that we know that Dan Snyder is exploring the sale of this team. So if it is May 12th, I did not look this up. So apologies for this, but like it does take some time to see to, to announce it's going to happen to going through the vetting process. I was saying, I, I don't, I'm not sure how long the Denver Broncos process was. It's not overnight. I mean, they just got sold last year. It's not overnight or anything. So the way that several of these people interpreted this date, this May 12th date, two months out from when these deals were signed, that this could very well be an indication of when Dan Snyder thinks sort of is the drop dead sell by date. And to be clear, I don't mean that's the date something would be announced that he's selling more of like that could be the date. This is an interpretation. This could be the date in which he's putting it out far enough so that when that that everything could be wrapped up by then. We'll see. I don't, you know, again, this is somewhat this is somewhat speculation, but I'm talking to people who understand what goes on here, who who were familiar with how these things get paid out. By the way, uh the, the Bengals are paying Orlando Brown like a $31 million signing bonus within like 2 days of the deal. That was obviously something that his side wanted and they're getting it done. I'm just saying it, it's, it's 15 to 30 days, but here's one that's getting done in like 2 or 3 days. So I think it's pretty interesting. I, I I don't know if everybody else does. And like I said, I don't think it's a determinative factor of, oh, or I shouldn't say it's a definite factor in saying this is when Dan Snyder will definitely be done. We'll see. But it certainly feels like we're heading in this direction. And this was a little more evidence that can be interpreted. And people who, again, uh, you know, some some notable people in the in their specific field suggest that to them factoring in everything that's going on including the idea that dan snyder could be selling and that this owner's meeting is where we may finally get some direct and hard hard news that it makes sense to think that so you can go check out the story there's more in there there's some interesting quotes as well and i also lay out if you're if you, if you like this inside baseball i lay out the the contracts for Payne and mclaurin and 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 so on so Go check out that on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber yet, just hit the article, and there's a, a discount code or a discount available there for um, for sure. Now, here's the other thing I just want to mention about this. Um, I, assume, I assume, you know, there's, I know there's a lot of younger people here, but a lot of people have seen the movie Independence Day, uh, the Will Smith one, obviously, and I don't know if there's another one, but <laughs> the, the Will Smith movie, and... When the aliens first show up, this is not a spoiler per se, but when the aliens first show up, they're they're in these spacecrafts and are just kind of hovering above. And depending on who you are as a person, you either are very freaked out or you can't wait for your new alien overlords to come in and and whatever and take and take control and you're and you're all in on that. And there were people who were in on that frenzy, the sort of end of the end of days kind of frenzy, and they, they reflected that in the movie as well. This is how I feel right now with where things are going here with this commander's sale talk. Like, it's amazing how many people now have sources. I can't believe how many people have sources out there. I see so many people saying they've talked to somebody and, oh, the deal's about done. Oh, get ready. Here it comes. It's going to happen this week, this whatever it may be. 
I'm not talking about people who, as you know, are like actually on the beat. I'm just talking about all kinds of random sources. And by the way, it's not just about Snyder here. Like the other days, I, I, I fielded a question on Twitter about whether Washington was interested in trading for Austin Eckler of the Chargers, a running back, which obviously would make no sense for here. But it got bubbled up on Twitter because some it seems like a fake account, as best I could translate it or or, or trace it back, I should say. That some fake account said this and people ran with it and, you know, it's super bonkers that that's a thing. And with regards to the Snyder thing, again, this is like one of those PSAs I do a couple times a year. Just tread lightly on who you're listening to about any of these things. Uh, Matt and I talked about this a bit, so I don't want to step on it too much. But how do I say this? The I don't. I the, the, the people are not talking about this stuff. Like when we all were, discuss who they might get at quarterback or what they're looking at in the draft, or there's all kinds of people talking about these things. Not necessarily in a direct. This is 100 percent what they're going to do, but they they hey. Here's what this player is about. Here's what I heard Washington is thinking, baby. Here's exactly what Washington's thinking. Here are their needs. We can have some real context and real thoughts. You think Jeff Bezos is talking to anybody? Now, I'm not saying he's getting the team. I'm just saying if Jeff Bezos is involved, you think he's talking to anybody? Hell no. Josh Harris? Hell no. Dan Snyder certainly isn't. So the idea that anybody really knows what's going on, I mean, I've talked to people over in the building or, or, or around the league who think, hey, it's definitely happening. And if you made me pick right now, is it happening or is it not happening? I would say it's happening. Like I said at the top, the question now is l- less about if and more about when. But at the same time, like we all hear stuff. I I can't just I can't just go online and tell everybody what I think at all times or hear or, because that's not how this works. And I could just more or less promise you that I cannot, I don't think any of us can get like people to definitively tell us what's happening. It's not a thing. So when you see people saying, oh, I've heard this, I've heard that. I have no idea who they're talking to. Maybe they've got the inside access to the Snyders or whatever. They are, that is like eighth hand information. I would venture to bet. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've heard Many things, and if I just threw it out there, you guys are like, oh my God, that's amazing. Or, oh no, it's a disaster. But we have to, we have like, we, we can't do that. So anyway, nobody's perfect. I'm not saying I am or I have all the information. I'm just saying tread lightly with what's out there, whether it's Austin Eckler or whether it's that Dan Snyder is definitely selling. Now, again, I do feel that we're heading into the home stretch. It does certainly seem like that's going on here. And perhaps this, uh, revelation about the 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 date in the contracts being pushed back suggests that as well maybe it's not maybe the commanders have some other reasonable explanation for it um is it st- by the way if you're wondering was this any kind of standard protocol when teams sell i don't know i wish i had dug into this to a bit more but i did talk to somebody who was familiar with sort of what was going on with denver they didn't think that that changed anything on that end, and you know, I've talked to various people, and nobody has suggested that as a likely solution. And and um, you know, Dan Snyder has become obviously a pretty interesting topic around the league. So you know, people are willing to discuss it in you know versus like, hey, the Commanders need a guard. What should they do? So I I, I don't get the sense that there's anything more than what I'm saying, but we'll see if there's another 
explanation that somebody can provide. In any event, the good news is it does feel like there's progress towards a Dan Snyder sale. The owners meeting is next week. It's possible that we may have a resolution any day or by next week. And I, I, I still keep wondering where's the where's the parade? Is the parade happening? Where is it? Is it in Georgetown, like where it did when they won Super Bowls? Is it happening out in Ashburn? Are people going to storm the Douglas Airport uh, runways? Is it going to happen in the FedEx field parking lot? I don't know, but I can only imagine the excitement if this, if and when this actually happens. And again, it is now more of, or less of if and more of when. So take that for what it's worth. I'm just saying, I, in this case, I understand the desire to hear the news that you want to hear. And I'm not even saying that, I'm not saying at all that it won't happen. I'm just saying the people who are acting like they have the answers, I'm telling you, they do they don't. That I could I mean, it just doesn't seem logical. And I'm not saying I do either, but it does feel like we're heading in a good direction. Uh, if you're wanting Dan Snyder out, I should say. Um we'll give it time, we'll see. All right. Well, we get into uh in terms of where for agency is Matt and I will talk about that. I mean, obviously it's been quiet the last couple of days. They have as we know, addressed a bunch of their needs. So they're in they're in a good place now that can be more aggressive either in free agency or the draft. I really don't think they'll be more aggressive in free agency at this point, but we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to it uh, right now. Here's my conversation with Matt Paris talking ownership and where the commanders are one week into free agency. And then again, if you want to stay on, here's some Georgetown uh, talk about who they're going to hire for their head coach. Hang on for that as well. All right, enough of me ranting. Let's bring in uh, one of my colleagues on the beat, Matt Paris from the Washington Times, Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Of course, he's also the, uh, although he doesn't doesn't actually bring us any food, doesn't say he's like the go-to chef of the commander's beat. His his Instagram's on, uh, whenever Top Chef is on, is about him cooking food yeah why don't you bring any food in for us during the season i mean is there do you not like us or what's the problem we don't do uh friday potlucks anymore That's look you know you know the more, saying more like you know, time, but... if your friends jump off a building are you gonna do it too you can be your own trendsetter you can just say you know what i crushed this chicken teriyaki and i'm i i really like you people i don't want to i wanted to give you some there you go boom <laughs> so i just show up with like a whole ass thing of pasta to Hey guys, I know we have to interview Terry McLaurin today, but try my uh, Kappa Ma that I always make. Yeah, I mean, look, you can eat it afterwards. We have a refrigerator in the room. I'm just saying. Uh, sure. All right. Well, look, you got you know you got plenty of time. We're not going to be back out there on any full time basis, really, until the season starts, like that. So you know, just saying, you got some time. Maybe you'll plan your menu yeah. uh, accordingly. Um. All right. So here's the plan. Here, I just talked about about the ownership stuff, but I want to get Matt's take on that. And then we'll get to kind of where we are one week into free agency and, and what's next. Um, but let's get to the owner stuff. As we're talking now on Sunday night, I feel like I always try to specify when I'm talking to a guest because, you know, you never know when news will break. And in this particular topic, it is, you know, everything to the, to the minute is going to be important. Um, the key is here. The next week is the owner's meeting. Uh, you know, a week from today, right? We will be in, I was gonna say Florida, we'll be in Arizona, um, hobnobbing with the people there who are actually hobnobbing and we're just sort of, uh, interloping, uh, at the, uh, at, at the owner's meeting. 
Uh, obviously, Dan Snyder, his future will be a topic one way or the other, whether it's uh, moving towards a sale, whether it's the owners discussing his future, if they're going to take a vote, whatever it is, that will be a big topic. Um, I guess there's been a, you know a lot of news and noise and speculation and insane speculation and people acting like they have sources when no chance they do. Uh, where are you at with sort of where we're at and what's the, I, I don't know, like what's your, what, what's your take of the temperature right now to the degree of like, you know, whatever it is. What, what are you buying? I guess. Feels like a, it's burning, but I don't know if I've just been close to the flame too long. It, it's one of those that like, I just don't know if it's actually, happening or not but it does seem like there is incremental progress if not outright progress it, it's just you know for me it, it's when's it gonna happen who's it gonna be you know it, there's just so much up in the air right now but it, it is interesting uh to monitor um <clears throat> yeah for sure i mean i think the you know first of all the owners meeting this one the one that's coming up has long been established as the mile marker for when we may finally get some news some clarification some sense of really where this is headed so again for all the people running around saying something's close well no shit i, I mean this has been the whole point the whole time i mean with it, that this is happening now it's not like this is like out of the blue so the well, question oh go ahead oh no just to to jump in there real quick is that's long been the target date but my assumption kind of was that you know, they would announce it leading up to the owner's meeting. So when it was time to vote, they'd have an idea of who they were voting on now. You know, they know who Jeff Bezos is. They're familiar with Josh Harris because of the Broncos stuff. So it could be, if it is announced this week, I think that's ample lead up time. But yeah, this has always been a target date as you kind of referenced. Right. And, and you know, to that end, like, let's just say it's Josh Harris. Um, they already went through with, Right. I mean, they, they already were at least aware of him with because he was one of the people involved with the Broncos. So to whatever degree he got through the vetting process, you know, there's already something there um, to look at. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, imagine they have a decent thought on that as well. But yeah, right. I don't know the exact what it would take. What, what What's the due diligence that they need to do? You have to do it. I think I heard I think I heard Mike Flory the other day on with with uh, Grant and Danny. And he said the only other time he could think of that an owner didn't get approved was ironically this one when it was Howard Milstein as the lead and Dan Snyder as in the role of Fred Smith and Dwight Shar and et cetera. And that group got turned down mm -hmm. and then they salvaged it by, by Dan Snyder putting together a group. Um, so ironic on, on that front. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would just say it does seem like we're heading in that direction. Uh, again, I think it's been heading in that direction like it didn't just happen. It's been going in this direction for a while. I think the thing that's confusing, I would imagine for a lot of people is that it's one thing for us to be talking about what player the commanders might be interested in free agency and just talking over and over again about, well, I think it makes sense for them to get this guy or they could do that guy. But here we're not talking about it as much as people, but as much as like we're all hearing stuff in part because you have to have a sense of what you're talking about. And here's the thing. Nobody has a effing clue. I promise you that. Because yeah. you know who's not talking? The people who all the money people. Right. We don't even know if Jeff Bezos is bidding. <laughs> right. So, my like. Question, okay. No, go ahead. Oh, my question to you is, like, uh, you know, to try. I, I've written 
articles kind of looking at who each bidder would be, but kind of looking through their sports lens, do you think it's fair to, if Josh Harris buys the team or even Tillman Bertita, like, is it fair to look at the 76ers or the Rockets to see how they would run a sports teams or it, the NBA is completely different. We shouldn't judge that based on how he might run an NFL team. Um, well, it's a good question. I mean, look, I think this is a, we have a good example locally, right? People think Ted Leonsis does a really good job running the Capitals. He does the exact same job he does running the Wizards. The only difference is that when they had the number one pick, they had the one. They ended up getting one of the ten best players of all time. And the Wizards, John Wall is a very good player and an All Star, but he wasn't that. That's the difference. But if you if you look at their composite situation, you think, oh well, the ho- Ted Leonsis, whoever this guy is that owns the hockey team, is awesome. And the guy who owns the Wizards is terrible. I think it's much closer to being in the middle. So to my to your point is I don't think it. I think it's probably somewhat comparable. I mean, ultimately, just like in the NBA, if you don't have a star player, kind of hard to win. In the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's kind of hard to win. Uh, I did see like on Twitter earlier, just randomly, somebody posted a screenshot of the 76ers year by year record with Josh Harris as the owner, and he was pointing whoever this person was was saying, "Look how terrible this is." Well, they tanked. Right. Ignoring the fact that they had the most, like the, the, the fact that we call this thing tanking, which is really mo- more or less just rebuilding. But yeah. the, the, the negative of tanking is because of that situation. And I know they haven't won a title and I know they haven't made the, the finals. They ended up with one of the three or four best players in the NBA currently. And or every year has it have a chance to get there. We'll see if they do this year or not, but like they are largely succeeded in this model because you can't, nobody, nobody wins a title. Every, you can't have, not every, multiple people can't win a title every year. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, if, if these guys were the equivalent of the Sixers for the NFL, they'd be a lot of fun. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, and look, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know. Like I've heard right. I, with Josh Harris, it's sort of a more of like a neutral that I've heard. Like I've heard some good things, but I don't know. Like personally, as somebody who was into the process, I admire the fact that that ownership allowed that to happen. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, it was a bit extreme, and I'm sure if a 76er fans are like, oh, my Lord, after the third year of that, you got to be, right. you know, wanting to, you know, murder yourself. And, you know, who knows if they, you know, obviously Ben Simmons is not didn't work out like, to a degree. I guess they traded him for Harden, but he didn't work out as a thing. And, you know, the, the, the Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum t- trade blew up in their face, stuff like that. So, you know, you never know. But um, whereas on the on with uh, for uh, Tillman Fertitta, you know, talking to people who who still cover the league, that one is feels more dicier. If we're comparing what they do over there with what they might do here, um, so you know, I mean, look, ultimately, right? Is it just going to? I mean, look like uh, you know, like look at a guy like Robert Kraft. Is Robert Kraft viewed as a great owner? Yes. Why? Well, ultimately hired Bill Belichick and they drafted Tom Brady. I mean, you have it's just like anything. You have to draft you have to hire the right people. And the right. question is, what does that mean? Right? Here, the right people often have meant people that either were a big name that like Dan Snyder threw money at, but really it didn't make sense, or people or you know, again to talk about like with the wizards, pe- you know, the ownership sets the tone. And the, or the, the the baseline, here's what we're looking to do, and the people underneath it have to um, execute it, but if the parameters are such that you can't exactly do all the things we as on the outside say they should do, well, then there's only so much you can do. So the owner sets the tone, 
And it's that's well, none of us will know what that means until they actually start doing it. Right. I, I mean, to use to stick with Leontis as an example, though, like I do think there are some similarities with how he runs the Wizards and how he runs the Caps in terms of sticking with management. Like, you know, both he's pretty loyal. He's been very loyal to Brian McKellen, George McKee before yeah. that, you know, Tommy Shepard now, Randy Grunfeld before that. So, you know, there are a, a little bit of similarities, even. If you kind of look at what the Caps did at the trade deadline, it felt a little wizardy. You know, that they sold off some pieces, but they didn't necessarily blow it up from this core. They're going to try and make a run next year. We can argue whether that that's smart or not, but, um, you know, this isn't a hockey podcast. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting in that, like, you know, you look at Josh Harris, what he's done with the 76ers. They've made a lot of aggressive hires, bringing in Daryl Morey, getting Doc Rivers, listening to – you know, Adam Silver, when they hired the Colangelos, you know, that was apparently a, a league-oriented um, move. So, you know, it's just interesting to see kind of the hiring patterns and whether that would apply to the NFL and what does it mean. Yeah, no, I I, feel like, I think – I can't remember if I've said this on the podcast, but I've said this before to, to others. You know, obviously a lot of people want Dan Snyder to go. It's not breaking news. I would say for us on the beat, we're all just sort of like, you know, just like you guys, we're all in this holding pattern. But obviously for us, it's a little bit different because, you know, if right now it comes news, something's going to happen. You guys can, you know, go dance in the streets and we have to go start working. And it's a constant churn of trying to find work again. No complaining. That's just the the um, the deal. Uh, crap. What was I just saying? Uh my brain doesn't work anymore. This is what I'm talking about, people. Don't become a sports writer covering this team. Well, I will note, last time we recorded, we talked about Heineke and what might happen there, and then he uh, signed, I think, by the time the podcast was out. So if our timing of recording is any coincidence, then uh, maybe a new owner tomorrow. Oh, well, there's uh, there there's certainly that possible. I don't know. If I come back to what I was saying, I'll circle back. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a good thought, whatever it was. Um, all right. It, okay. All that said, you know, it does feel like, you know, there's momentum, obviously. Um, and we'll see how this goes. Oh, I know what I was going to say that for, for us on the beat, Dan Snyder selling the team. If that announcement comes today, tomorrow, that does not end our story because now we have to figure out who is, who this new, new person is and what does it mean for that person coming in for everything. For what we're talking about here, what's the direction of the team? What does it mean for Ron Rivera? What does it mean for Jason Wright? What is you know anything? What does it mean? Also, of course, you know what does it mean for the stadium? Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know team names. I don't really as worry about this as much as others, but all oh. the different things come into play uh, for sure. And you know th- that that's going to be a big part of the story at some point here. But right now, the story is Dan Snyder. Um, possibly uh getting out of here and i i guess i guess here's the thing like here's a good example as to when i tell you that when people are out there saying they know what's going on they have no idea i i still to this minute am not prepared to say matt he's gone i mean i've had several people tell me he's gone i've had people who in theory would know that he's gone i have written stories that suggest well here's some you know the thing i had yesterday here's a date that might indicate something but it, it is not the nature of the person who has the jobs we have 
to run around and say, I can tell you 100% it's over until I know 100% it's over. So okay. I, I believe it is heading in that direction. Even in my story yesterday, I said, I, I wrote that the, the, the question that's being asked more is not if, but when. And I think that is accurate. But at the same point, we'll see how it um, how it goes. I guess at this point, what do you, what, is there anything that's sort of, I don't know, you're looking at to, to get a gauge of uh, what may be going down any kind of uh you know you're you know uh you, you're looking at the at the at the flags on the on the uh, goalpost to see which way the wind's blowing uh i don't know any anything uh, along those lines no uh just kind of you know staying up to date with it monitoring ready to carrying my laptop with me in case something breaks and i need to write at a uh, gas station or whatever is that or, or have we reached that stage where you're carrying the laptop with you everywhere Ah, uh, sort of. I didn't bring it to. I, I saw Creed three today, and I did not bring it to Creed. But uh, well, the fact the fact that you went to a movie theater, yeah. even in itself, because like not. I mean, I don't know what theater you're at, but not every theater gets good cell reception. Obviously. Oh yeah, no, that would have been a no go. I, I got fine service there. Okay, yeah, because I for me, like at this point, I I may not take my laptop everywhere, but uh, I'm not I'm not going as best I can. Not going anywhere where I won't have signal. When when the commanders traded for Carson Wentz, I was in uh, the Batman. I was trying to squeeze a day off for free agency, and they traded for Wentz, and I uh, booked it the hell out of there. I was only like an hour in, and I was like, "All right." They gave me a refund. So, uh, oh I, wow, what? How did you get that? What did you tell them? That I was just going? like, "I have a work emergency. Can I uh, <laughs> go?" But can I get? And they gave it to me, and I went and saw it, uh, when things cooled down. You should have looked to see if they were a uh, Commanders fan. They might have been able to get. Uh... You know, a second movie, especially, you know, depending on uh, what you're telling them. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, you know, the I, my phone just made noises and I felt like I needed to. Uh, look, I was with somebody today and I I was incredibly rude, constantly looking at my phone every time I made a noise because we're, you know, they, 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 we're, I, I always get the DEFCONs confused. DEFCON 1 is the worst? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I always get that confused. Well, whatever with DEFCON... We're we're inching up closer to the uh, to the top of that line. All right, so we're kind of rambling on here, I guess. Um, I I look, I guess you know, I don't want to make a prediction about this, but like I said, it does feel like something is happening here. You know, the the May twelfth date that was in the various player contracts of when their bonuses got pushed out. I have no idea if that's the like again. That's not a suggestion that a maybe nothing. This was like asking people. Here's what's here's some information. What do you make of it? B May twelfth to me would be more like it's already happened, like pushing it back far enough, such that if things were delayed for whatever the reason, you know, I don't, you know, we don't even know definitively. Like it's about not paying out some of the money. My only point is like I've been saying for a while. I think it's going to be past owner past the owners meetings, but before May. So I, I feel like we're heading in that direction at least, and um, right. you know. Uh, we'll uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see from there. I like I feel like I'm like, like rambling here to a degree, but like I said, this is to the point of anybody who's acting like they know definitively what's happening. I don't know what to tell you. Well, two things. Uh, one, it wouldn't be a podcast without rambling, so you, you got that down. <laughs> and then two, uh, May twelfth, you know, just complete speculation. But if they reach an agreement by next week. There's going to be a period of time where everything changes hands, you know, to, that take that in itself takes a couple months. Uh, I believe David Tepper 
you know, he was approved at those at what March, May, somewhere around there. And then he didn't take over officially until the fall. So there is a, a bit of a a time process. Maybe once that actually gets finalized, uh, that's worth maybe digging into to see when other owners officially were out of the building. But that process in itself takes a little bit of time. It does. It does. So, all right. So, look. I mean, again, if you want to, uh, you know, start figuring out your 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 party plans, if that's if they're inclined to do to celebrate whenever this happens, and you want to start getting ready, go ahead. But you know, no 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 promises. It's going to happen this week or next week. If other people want to claim that and they have sources to to say that, and they're you know great for them. All right, let's get to the football side of things. Uh, we're what we're a week into this. Washington has obviously made. A bunch of moves. I'm not even going to count sort of the Duran Payne thing because that's keeping your own guys different than bringing in other people. They have addressed their needs at offensive line. Uh, they have a linebacker to replace Cole Holcomb. They added a little corner depth, but that's still kind of a bit of a gaping hole, I would say. Um, that's kind of it, right? I mean, they added a you know the, a wide receiver from the Chiefs just for some more depth. They they signed a defensive tackle the other day who I'm kind of guess is more of a training camp body than he is like a, a real shot to make the roster, but you know, things happen. Um I still don't know if I think they're oh, and of course Jacoby Brissett. Sorry, let me not let me not bury that lead. I still don't know if I think that if I know that they're any better. Like I think Jacoby Brissett is better than the quarterbacks they had last year, but in totality, and and I don't think you can have if you have a definitive answer, go ahead, but like I think we're gonna have to wait, but like it's nothing. I I don't know that like they haven't made such a move that I'm like, wow, they're definitely going to get they're definitely better this year. Uh doesn't mean they're worse. They might have like solidified their stuff to the point that they can let their pieces they already have shine more, but I don't I don't know if I'm looking at this going, wow, they have like crushed this, even though they've addressed needs. I would agree. I think the way that they possibly view it, not necessarily that I agree with this, but I think they view it as they're a team that's close to competing. They finished eight, eight and one last year. So at 500, they already expected to take a leap uh, in year three. That didn't necessarily happen. They felt they were a little short. And so if they look at the areas that they fell short in, if they could just get marginally better, then this would be a pretty good team. And you look at what they did at the offensive line. I don't know how substantially better it makes them, but you know, you could argue that it made them a little bit better or marginally better. It, you know, with Andrew Wiley, if they get the, the right side of the line figured out, um, depends what happens at, at center. You know, I, I could see, I could see this team being better, but yeah, I agree with you that there's no really splash move. There's really no one place you could argue they got better except for maybe quarterback depending on how you feel about Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. Right. I mean, look, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Andrew Wiley's way better than some of the offensive line they had last year. But the real issue of the offensive line was mostly the injuries. Like, they were better as the year went on. But whatever. I'm not saying the line was good. I'm just saying oh. it was mostly injuries and, like, Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell just yeah. didn't quite work. But Cosme was hurt. The whole. I mean, other than Leno, everybody basically got hurt at some point. I think they were banking on Norwell and Turner playing a lot better than they were at their respective stages of the career, and it hurt them in the long run. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. But that's what I'm saying. Like right now, yeah, you know, I mean, 
if Andrew Wiley was so coveted around the league, he would have gotten a lot more money sure. than he than, than 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 he did. Which again, he might be fine. And this it's sort of similar to the quarterback story that I wrote the other day. They can have a situation that looks not that exciting and be better than they were yet last year. Yeah. I, and that may be the case of where they're of where they're at. Like again, I'm not trying to to knock it. I would be be silly of me to say Andrew Norwell, Nick Gates, those are bad moves. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean Andrew Wiley. Sorry, I mean I, I I've, I've read stuff. I've talked to people. Seem reasonable for sure, but that's different than saying that they are miles better than they were last year. That's right. all I'm saying. They, they wanted to get younger on the offensive line, and Wiley and Nick Gates are younger than Turner and Andrew Norwell. So, you know, that might not be much, but again, it goes back to how much do they think they need to improve if they don't think they need to improve that much and only on the margins. Well, you know, 27 is younger than 31. Right. And here's an example where, like, making some of these moves could enhance already what's there, right? So here's the perfect example, I think, is Pro Football Focus has a, a stat, uh, turnover-worthy passes. This is the stat you don't want to be first in. <laughs> I know who was first. So Taylor Heineke <laughs> was first last year. And I think Carson Wentz was like fifth or sixth. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was 22nd. When I when I talked to people about him, like one of the constant mentions was he's uh, careful with the ball. He keep, you know, controls the ball. He's not putting it into harm's way. He's not making a lot of turnovers. Okay, well, just logically, right? If you can avoid, if you lower your turnovers, if you can make more efficient plays, when you have Terry McLaurin and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson and others, you have a defense that last year was, you know, top 10 more or less overall in various metrics. That might be enough to win two more games. I mean, you know, I, I also think Jacoby Brissett's going to make this thing less chaotic, whether it was Wentz or Heineke. It was always like, oh, God, what's going to happen on this play? It was, no, it was not a lot of normalcy happening um, throughout. So I, I, I think Brissett can make things a little more solid. And, you know, relative at least to Heineke and Wentz, he has, a, well, I mean, he's got a higher floor than those guys. Maybe his ceiling is not as high as Wentz, but obviously Wentz had so many other concerns. It didn't even really matter. Um, so I think Brissett could make a, a, a significant difference here. Now, that's assuming he even plays, because obviously Sam Howell is yeah. the, is still the lead there. So let me ask you this. For two months, Ron Rivera's run around talking about Sam Howell is going to be given the chance to to win this job. He'll be QB1 going into the into the summer. It's easy to say these things in January and February. What about when you get to August and there is a new owner and the new owner's like, well, hold on, Ron. Great to meet you. Let me see here. Oh, 22, 27, and one, no winning records in three years. So what's going on? <laughs> How's it going? Oh, wait, you're going to go with Sam Halley, fifth-round pick with one career start? Okay. Well, all I can say is I hope you win because I can't, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And and by the way, forget Ron, Eric Bieniemy. He's still trying to get a head coaching job. If if everybody gets blown out after this year, I'm not saying that will happen or that he would, but like if it does, then whatever happens this year is his resume more. You know, is he gonna go with the guy with one starter? Is he gonna go and say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That guy's not bad. Jacoby Brissett, 48 career starts. He's had some good success. Why are we why are we taking the risk? So where are you at with that right now? The idea of this Sam Howe is going to be the guy versus that okay well now we know who the other competition is it's a little bit harder to say that 
Well, I don't necessarily know how much that applies necessarily through training camp uh, versus if House struggles at the beginning of the season, right? It's easy to imagine a scenario that Sam House starts the first two games, struggles, and then gets a quick hook, something like that, because you have Brissett as the fallback option. But, you know, there's a lot in Sam Howell's game that I could see why coaches get enticed by. He has a strong arm. He, he can move outside the pocket and, and create plays. You know, the, there's this thing with football players, the, the untapped potential that, or even I can fix him. You know, that, that that's what they fell in a trap with, with Carson Wentz that, uh, you know, they were tantalized by the arm and everything there. So, you know, I think they're going to let how you know, see what he can do. And if his mistakes bury him, then his mistakes bury him. But, uh, you know, just because they signed Brissett doesn't make me automatically think he's going to play right away. That's, I think Hal's going to still be given uh, a lot of opportunity to try and win this job. Okay. Well, let's play this out a little bit. The whole point of going with a guy like Sam Hal is you're aiming for the upside. Right. But realistically, you know, any rookie quarterback is going to have significant ups and downs. We don't know if they're necessarily going to come in the first four weeks or in the middle or the end or whatever, but like they're going to come. Washington under Ron Rivera has started one and four, two and three and one and four. If they have one of those kind of records again with Sam Howe, it doesn't. I mean, unless Sam Howe is like in the rookie of the year conversation, despite whatever the record is, they're going to have to go to Jacoby Brissett. And yeah. Jacoby Brissett has not shown in his career that he's a quarterback who's just going to turn things around. Like, I mean, look, Taylor Heineke, they obviously continually got under a hot streak once he sort of came in, came in, but then you know, eventually things peter out. It, 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 you know, I guess what I'm saying is like, if Sam Howell, if the whole point of going with Sam Howell is you think there's potential, can you really pull him after four games if you're losing? On the flip side, if you go the other way and go with Brissett, well then like you you know the, the you're automatically cutting off cutting down the ceiling yeah. so that's why i don't i don't know i'm 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 not saying i have no opinion on this but it's like i think it's more interesting than not saying you but just uh you know i i think it's an interesting decision as to like, has rivera talked himself into a corner can he really have a competition you know can he if he pulls how in four games hypothetically what does that say about the future, like, I think I would say to me, I, I would be surprised if by the time we get to training camp, we're not, he's, there's not a little bit of backtracking going on because that's a lot of risk to take at that point. Well, I could see him backtracking only because Rivera loves to harp on competition, 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 even if there's not necessarily competition unfolding right in front of our faces. I'll be more interested to see how they actually split up the reps because you know quarterbacks are different than other positions but when there's actually been a true competition in camp under Rivera it's not necessarily with like right guard last year before Trey Turner got hurt and missed a bunch of times it's not like Trey Turner took one series with the ones and then the next series when the ones are out there Wes Schweitzer was there it was Trey Turner took four and then Schweitzer got two you know it wasn't you weren't rotating all the time. And so I, I'm just kind of curious to see if there is an actual competition. How does he divide up the reps and how, how many reps with the ones does Hal get versus 
percent. Yeah. And, you know, again, to be clear, I really I'm intrigued by Sam Howe. I think there's something there. And if this was a normal circumstance, I mean, they're too good to say, well, let's go the Josh Harris, Sam Hinkie route and sort of bottom out. Take the shot at Howe. Let him ride it out. If it doesn't work, you're in position next year, maybe to get a Caleb, you know, Caleb Williams or at least to be in the top 10 and and whatever. But they're too good for that. And obviously Rivera, that's just not his M.O., so they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting decision. Um, let me ask you this: I wrote the other day that uh, again, just what despite the fact that I think they've improved at quarterback, still one of the least desirable situations in the league, primarily because of the two categories: the veteran and the rookie. Howell and Brissett would both rank towards the bottom of both. Um, Howell, I, I get it. Everybody wants to say he's look out. There were 21 different quarterbacks who were picked higher than 144 in the three years since Rivera has been here, including a bunch of first round picks. So the idea of suggesting that Sam Howe is automatically going to be, or even like has a strong chance to be something is just not realistic. At this difference saying he won't, 20 teams in the league have some version of this. We just focus because he's the guy here, but simultaneously Brissett is by all the view of the league is he is that spot starter backup guy. So do you buy that? Do you buy that sense that like, yeah, they might be better, but it's still, when you look at it in totality, it's still dicey. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think it kind of reminds me of 2019. I think this is a little bit better of a situation than 2019, but we saw how quickly things could get off the rail that year. You know, Case Keenum, he was the guy that had some experience, some, a playoff track record, but he started here and was pretty bad pretty quickly. Dwayne Haskins wasn't ready and never really kind of panned out the way you wanted to his rookie year. And Jay Gruden got fired after five games. So, you know, even though you, you think you improved in quarterback, in quarter uh, at the quarterback position, you know, things can go, things can go south pretty, pretty fast and be worse than you expected. But again, I think 2019 is more of a – that's the worst-case scenario. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, I, I think that one, it was basically – the writing was on the wall. And obviously – Yeah. Yeah, I mean – yeah. It, it, it you know pretty it seemed pretty apparent that Gruden was going to be in trouble, barring the unforeseen. Now, by the way, Washington could start off well this year. And if they do that, regardless of which quarterback's in there, that, 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 that'll be – that that'll be great. It's just, um, they haven't, <laughs> you know. Like anybody wants to say that they will. Okay, I mean, based on what that you know that that's my. They were two and two in in uh twenty twenty one when uh they you know that they had that miracle win against the Giants after Dustin Hopkins misses a kick, but they call uh was offsides on the Giants. Got to re- got to re- redo and made it. Um that was their high watermark of the first five weeks in any of the seasons was that, was that, uh, you know, somewhat lucky, uh, win, um, anything else, uh, the uh, open floor to you, uh, the, the, your, uh, you know, you're the, 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 uh, the point guard here. What else is interesting for you player on the field, off the field, uh, stadium, the, the name, the draft, Whatever it is, what what is uh, what's in that mind of yours right now? I, I do wonder how after the draft, if we feel like they haven't made 
a major improvement depending on how their draft goes. Maybe their major improvement will come through this draft. And if they draft well, you know, this. I can't. Do you think this regime has drafted well overall? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to ignore the people who are, I can hear saying, well, they took Chase Young over Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, we, no, we don't have to relitigate no, that. Yeah. Putting that aside, I mean, like you know, picks and... yeah, I mean, I think they've done a reasonable job. And obviously it's sort of hard with, with the last year's class. Uh, you know, I mean, we just don't know enough. I mean, John Dotson looked really good, but it's only been one year. Mathis didn't play. You know, Sam Howell, we're going to see what's going to happen with him. But, you know, I think they, you know, Brian Robinson was a pretty good pick. You know, Gibson was a pretty good pick in 2020. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think they've done reasonable. I just think, you know, yeah, I think, they, I, I think they've done fine. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think the 2020 draft was pretty strong, finding Cam Curl and Gibson and then Young. And 21, 21's interesting because if you would have asked me after the first year, I would have said, ah, uh, the only player maybe in here are Sam Cosme and St. Juice. And then now it's, you know, you have question marks about those guys and Jamie Davis looked a lot better than he does and everything there. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I thought last year's draft was pretty strong just based on, you know, trading back from 11 to 16 and getting everything you did there. It was a, that was, pro- you could argue that was their best single draft moment uh, in their three years here. My, I'm, I'm calling my shot. Now this is of course, right. You're preposterous right. to say, wait out, but like they're going to do it again. That, right. that That's my calling the shot. They're going to drop down from 16. And it would, honestly it would make sense to do it just simply because if they're not a team, that's going to be spent. I mean, they've already gone through a week of free agency. And like we said, they really, haven't spent a ton, which I'm not saying you have to, but they haven't made a big splashy play. By the way, like in terms of like trying to figure out if they've gotten better, you have to look at the division. The, the, the division, you know, just today Dallas acquired Brand- wide receiver Brandon Cooks for um, a couple of late round picks. He makes money, so that, that's where that comes into play. Um, he's a good player. They also traded for Stephon Gilmore. Uh, the Eagles. Not so much they added outside people, but they've kept more of their guys than I would have probably thought they would have um, early on. And the Giants, I'm blanking here. They they got Darren Waller, who's a pretty interesting player if he's healthy, but he just hasn't been healthy. Obviously, they kept Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Uh, what am I missing here? That they they brought back Darius Slayton, who kind of always liked. Um, besides that, have they done anything on defense? I'm blanking here. I'll I'll try to look it up. But I guess I'm saying it's, like, it's not just enough to say that Washington has done some decent things. Well, so has everybody in the division. And by the way, you know, look, I don't think the NFC East will be as good as it was last year, if for no other reason, because of the schedule. Instead of playing the AFC South, they're going to play the AFC East. And if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, I mean, the worst team is Bill Belichick's team, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what, I mean, I think the Jets will be pretty good, but then again, it'll be close to 40. And this team has always been like pretty competitive against Aaron Rodgers. Even in 2019, when they were terrible, that was like a very close game. Sure. But I'm just saying, like playing the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Patriots versus last year when, you know, that division was 
not very good. Um, you know, I'm saying in and of itself, that's going to be a um, for sure, for sure, an issue for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I was um, I was trying to see if I had a special guest coming in to join us randomly, but I don't know if that's going to uh, going to happen here. But we'll see. Maybe I'll give it another minute or two. Um, uh, I I guess just so with terms of this week. I'm not anticipating a ton else for this team in terms of free agency right now. Like, you know, even after they signed Cody Barton, everyone's like, gotta get a linebacker. I'm like, they're not getting a linebacker, you know, uh, at least of note. They're not paying anybody more than they just paid that guy. Go ahead. What? Oh, the, the thing I think that is maybe interesting to watch this week to see if it happens or not is Cam Sims. What's up with him? That's relatively low stakes, but um they've re-signed kind of all their other guys that you would kind of think that they would want to re-sign besides him. And there were some talks of, you know, them checking in, but what is, uh, what is Cam Sims market like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. The, you know, they've checked in from what I was told, but you know, I guess I, obviously I, I don't imagine Cam Sims has, has some sort of dynamic market, but you also already know what it is here. Right. They view him as a special teams guy only, essentially. But if yeah. you told me like they signed him this week or whatever, that that that's the type of move that if they were to make a type of move, that would be it. You know, I, I don't think they're going to sign another linebacker or running back or anything else. Right. I mean, yeah, they could use another linebacker. They could use over the JD McKissick replacement, but you know, you also have the draft for these things as uh, as well. Um, all right. Well, look. You said it all. You're not a Howard Stern guy, are you? No. No, that's how he always ends the interviews. You've said it all. All right, and I, I, I teased earlier. We might have a special mystery guest for for people who are only into the Commanders. This won't help your cost too much, but he is, you know, as somebody who grew up here, he feels your pain. Uh, no, we're gonna talk quickly about Georgetown basketball. You know, I know everybody's waiting in town to see who the next owner of the Commanders will be. My guy Bobby Bancroft here, who covers Georgetown for. Uh, the AP and uh, SB Nation. Uh, he is focused all on what's going to happen with Georgetown basketball. Ed Cooley. It feels like that's where we're just waiting to, for somebody to tell us Ed Cooley has signed a contract. Is, is that where we're at? It, it does seem to be where we're at. And he's sort of, he's, he's, he's really putting some information out there that you don't hear from a lot of coaches and how hard it is for him to make this decision. Um, I sort of have to expect him to have an Instagram post the next couple of days about what he's deciding to do. Well, you know what he needs to do? He needs to put up a picture with with multiple hats, a Providence hat, a Georgetown hat, and he just picks one. Or a notes app apology for leaving Providence. <laughs> sure, whatever it is. But may I interest you in Dave Lato, Bobby? I think if um, Georgetown were going to go that route, they should just bring JT3 back, something that Paul did. And Oh, yeah, that's JT actually had some success uh, at Georgetown, so I think that would be just fine. You know, I think from a commander's standpoint, I think there's a lot of similarities with, you know, for years, Dan Snyder seems to be this problem, and whoever they get doesn't really matter. The way Georgetown's handling their coaching search, their school president, who's more involved than other school presidents, seems to be a big issue over there. Well, I told you you this earlier uh, offline. If we don't hear, if they just hire Ed Cooley and we didn't hear, by the way, they also interviewed 
you know, Mike Jones, the former DeMatha coaches at Virginia Tech now, or Tommy Amaker or whoever, what are we doing? You're just going to hire the one guy? Like, I get it. Ed Cooley's obviously been pretty good, but shouldn't you be exploring other things? Otherwise, it's just back to this generally sort of tunnel vision situation. And again, Ed Cooley's a totally good coach, but as Bobby and I have discussed, he's about as close as you can get to being part of the Thompsons without blood being involved. If they did a national-wide search like they claim they were going to do, it seems to be a national or a nationwide search that who knows John Thompson Jr. the best? And the answer was Ed Cooley, and that's what they came up with. Right. Now, all right, this is this is why it's perfect to have Matt here because Matt, is, of course, that people know is a, a, a proud DePaul alum, so he's a Big East guy. Um, Ed Cooley, like, totally good coach, right? I mean, no, no argument there. Pops out, you know, 20 win seasons pretty regularly. Providence gets in the tournament a lot. It's a tough place to win because there's just not a lot up there in that part of the country in terms of, you know, local recruiting and they're, you know, from a facilities and just program perspective. Georgetown's definitely spends way more, I'm sure. I don't know the number, but gotta be way more, all that stuff. But he also has not had that signature moment in the tournament they haven't had a year where they went right i mean did they they made the sweet 16 one time bobby is that what you told me earlier last year they were a four seed and they did get to the second weekend yes okay so it's not like that so like matt like when you're looking at it like you know you got to get players and all that but like you look like wow ed cooley to georgetown look at we're like eh, eh, i don't know we'll see i go eh, i mean i think it would be a fine hire I think the dangerous danger with this coaching cycle for them is they need to nail it because they're, you know, they, they still have the prestige of being Georgetown historic. Like DePaul's problem is they weren't, you know, the seventies and eighties when they were relevant were, were too, is too far now. And Georgetown has at least had more success than DePaul has. But, you know, if you don't nail this, then you're in danger of becoming uh, a DePaul and you know you're in a great city but you can't get local recruits um all the problems that you know that DePaul has and seeing watching their program kind of fade to obscurity that's it, that that's kind of where you think but I, I think Ed Cooley is a good coach I just don't know how much he restores the program's sexiness for the lack of a better all word. all right now who would restore the program sexiness is Rick Patino? I just can't imagine Georgetown's gonna even remotely consider it. I mean, obviously they haven't to this point, as far as we know. Uh, Bobby, though, like there used to be these commercials. What would you do for a Klondike bar? So, what would you do if they just interviewed Rick Patino? Forget hire him, just interview him. What would you commit to do just for that to happen? I might sign up to work some Nats games this year. Um, People need to understand working Nats games. If you're in a, a stringer for the Associated Press, it's a long day, and your salary per hour is something you should not calculate. But go ahead. <laughs> um, I can't. I mean, you know, shoot. Just today, you, you saw on Twitter. I, you know, when you've got young kids, you try and find ways to occupy them, kind of just get the day by. We were sort of near the Beltway, and I said, "Hey, let's just drive down to Georgetown. Like, maybe we'll see Ed Cooley walk out of the Thompson Center. Maybe we'll see." Ronnie Thompson walking around. Um, can I, you know, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. So, obviously, Providence is a different market than D.C. You guys are both with, you know, 
very mainstream media, you know, Washington Times, The Athletic, obviously not a print edition, but it's, you know, you know, nationwide big deal. Providence and Ed Cooley are getting ridiculous coverage up there. The coverage in D.C. is basically, I don't know, what we're recording right now, um, my podcast, message boards. I mean, that's crazy, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. It it is and it isn't. This is the problem with Georgetown to the point that Matt was making before. Like, I don't have any idea, Matt, what DePaul's coverage is like, but obviously it's just like here. It's a big city with a bunch of different teams. And, you know, if you're not winning, it's kind of hard to get going. Plus in that place, right? De- am I right? Like DePaul would be to Georgetown what Maryland is to Illinois. Like the, the yeah. bigger state school is just going to, is going to dominate more. I mean, um, the thing is, Maryland why, is so much closer here that Illinois, it's still. But, I mean, the Tribune had an Illinois person, Shannon Ryan, who's uh, at the Athletic now. She was the longtime Illinois beat writer, whereas if DePaul did well, was doing well, or had a fun story, they would send out a, a writer every once in a while. I mean, I can count, like, there were a, a handful of games a tribune writer was there sometimes i mean it, there wasn't there wasn't much yeah i mean to, to again we were talking about this before with bobby uh you were telling me that and i'm not knocking on the washington post for this but like they have historically had a beat reporter covering georgetown went on the road with them that's been peeled back a lot over the last few years now it's to the point you're telling me they don't send anybody and they haven't written, as far as you told me, a single story since Ewing's been fired saying just here, here's 10 names of people they could hire. Like they haven't even done that. This is to your, just your point of nobody's really paying any attention locally. And it's, it, it says something about where the program is. And I think it says something about where college basketball is. Well, and it, it is interesting to see that the New York post covers the heck out of St. John's and, you know, they're running, you know, Patino stories left and right. And, I'm not saying that the Post or the Times need to do that, but maybe just like one story of like, here's five possible names that might be in the mix for this job. You know, you know, from, you know, you guys from covering every sport over the years for different outlets, well, particularly Ben as he bounced around, um, you know, Georgetown kind of, they had the legit coverage, like literally Liz Clark going all around the world to cover Georgetown to, um, then you know scaling back the coverage to where it was just the home games and then it was kind of like you're getting a lot of stringers to film for the home games this year they treated them kind of like they used to treat george mason and gw in the past where there's literally people there that could write a game story and the post choose chose just to say yeah we don't really care yeah no i mean i i'll I'll take it from first you know my main beat is the commanders but because the Washington Times is a smaller section, I have to bounce everywhere. And I went to one Georgetown game this year. And That's right. I've been I've been at the Times six years. I've probably written three or four Georgetown stories my whole time there. And we have another person who does, or we used to have another person that did. I would say in six years there on staff bylines from Georgetown, less than 20. And this has been the worst run they've ever had. So that your time coincides with literally like the bottom completely falling out. Oh yeah. I mean, they've been irrelevant not to be real. Yeah. And then same thing with the athletic. I mean, like we, we've not had a permanent Georgetown writer when I was hired, I was hired to be the commander's writer, but because I am who I am, I kept, kept focusing on Georgetown and the wizards. Cause that's what I've been doing for a long time. 
but you know, there's only so much you can do. And we do have college basketball people that cover the sport. Uh, Eamon Brennan, one of our national writers is here. He has covered Georgetown, but I, did you, I imagine he didn't go out there much, if at all, this year for the same reasons that we're talking about. It's just there's not much to deal with. Anyway, look, if Ed Cooley shows up, it will be a better day for Georgetown. They will have a, a coach who's done it, who's proven he can get, can win now. Can he win big? I guess that's not the big, real question in year one, two, year one and two. But beyond that, we'll we'll have to uh, see. Look, I hope they just hire someone for the for Bobby for the same reason. I hope this ownership gets done for me and Matt. Just enough. You know, I mean, you've only been dealing with this thing for a couple of days in terms of the actual knowing you have to get a new coach, but you know, it's been apparent for a while. So going going to those games physically the last two years, obviously, you know, it's you know, at the end of the day, you're 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 covering a sport, you're talking to, you know, college athletes, you know, successful head coaches, but going there has been ridiculously difficult. Yeah, I I can I can imagine. All right, look. You've uh, you've said it all. That's my new sign off. I'm stealing from Howard Stern, but not really. Don't tell him. Um, all right, Bobby, great job coming in off the bench to, to deliver some instant offense. Um, I'm going to say Georgetown beat DePaul in this conversation for what it's worth. Okay. Um, sure to real life. That way, who won this year? Oh, fucking DePaul lost. They were the they were the team that ended Georgetown's losing streak. Oh, right, right. Well, how about that? All right. Uh, if you want to follow Bobby, uh, stay up to date on Georgetown at Bobby Bancroft on Twitter. And again, uh, it's at Matthew underscore Paris on Twitter as well. I'm at Ben Standing. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. Obviously, stay with us you know, all the time, but obviously we'll have a lot going on. I will be at the owners meeting next week or really starting next weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll be updating the podcast and the athletic throughout. Uh, until next time, see ya.